Hi, friends. Thanks so much for listening to this broadcast of In the Market with Janet Parshall. And as always, I hope you're challenged to think critically and to think biblically. But I wanted to take one minute and tell you what my truth tool is for the month of February. You know, I'm one of those people who's old enough to remember when Francis Schaeffer was alive and the impact and the influence he was having, not just on the church, but in the world in general. In fact, for a whole lot of us, we really consider Francis Schaeffer to be the grandfather of Christian apologetics. He was a man truly ahead of his time. And you know, it's interesting because we're constantly hearing conversations about global warming. It's being addressed from Capitol Hill to around your kitchen table. And it's raised some interesting questions for the follower of Jesus. And that is, God is the creator. We live amongst his creation. And there is a mandate for us biblically to care for creation. And you know, it's interesting because many, many years ago, Francis Schaeffer, again, being a man ahead of his time, he knew that this was a topic that was going to cause controversy both in and outside the church and that there was a biblical way to address creation care. So he wrote a fabulous book called Pollution and the Death of Man. And I love it because it says so many things, not the least of which is that God made us in his image and we are the hierarchy in God's creation. So it's a wake-up call for how we answer these questions about whether or not we have juxtaposition our affections where we're more in love with the creation now than we are the creator. And yet at the same time, not abandoning the biblical responsibility for creation care. Nobody tackles this subject like Francis Schaeffer. And everybody who wants to be a good Christian apologist needs to have Francis Schaeffer's works in their library. So I haven't introduced Francis Schaeffer as one of the truth tools yet, but I'm going to start introducing him on a regular basis. So the book for this month's truth tool is Pollution and the Death of Man by Francis Schaeffer. It is yours for a gift of any size. And I would love to encourage you to pick it up and add it to your library. There's only 12 months out of the year. By the way, this is still a relatively new year, so we've got more space in your backpack now. We've had one truth tool in January, and now this is the truth tool for February. And I carefully and prayerfully consider what I think will really build you up and equip you to go out and better engage in that marketplace. And by the way, as long as I have your ear for 60 seconds more, can I encourage you to become a partial partner? You become a partial partner when you decide to support the work of In the Market on a regular monthly basis, a gift of any size, but it's ongoing and it's monthly. And when you become a partial partner, I'm going to send you a written transcript of my radio commentary. That's the only place the written transcript is available. I'm going to send you an audio piece that only you will hear. I'm never going to play it on air. It's just between you and me as partial partners. And thirdly, I will send you sporadic emails as necessary. You'll get them over the weekend. You may get them late at night. You'll get them whenever I feel that some bit of information is important and I want to draw it to your attention. So those are the things you get when you become a partial partner. How do you become a partial partner? You support in the market on a regular, ongoing, monthly basis. But if you want just the truth tool, it's yours for a gift of any size, Pollution and the Death of Man by Francis Schaeffer. It is a must-read And I'm going to give you fair warning. You're going to read it, and he's going to challenge you to the point where you're going to start rummaging around your local Christian library and find all the Francis Schaeffer writings you possibly can, because he's one of those people that gets your attention and makes you think critically and think biblically. So thanks for these couple of minutes now. Enjoy this broadcast of In the Market with Janet Parshall. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the time the conference was over, the president won a pledge. So Americans worshiping government over God. An extremely rare safety move by a nation. 17 years of Palestinians and Israelis
I mean, they're following somebody that obviously they have no proof that was here. I mean, yes, they're following a book, but how do you know that they didn't write that book? The government, per se, did not write that book just to make people follow them. Okay. How about, you know, like if you met Christians and the way they acted, how does it make you think of Christians, you know? Uh, they're their own people. They have their own beliefs. Everybody has their choice on what they believe in. How would you describe them, you know, like, for example, if you met a, and a guy who's mean to you, you would describe him as a mean person, you know? And if you met a Christian, then you would say about him? Like, I'd say they're um, just like preps, mindless zombies that follow something they believe in. <laughs> but of course, the word, I think you live in a Christian nation, and I, I promote that, obviously, so. But, uh, for, for example, like, uh, based on your own experiences with Christians, how would you describe them? Well, I, I consider myself to be one. Okay. So you think Christians are... Oh, they're okay. It's a lifestyle. I'm a Christian. I think that Christianity is a relationship with God. Mm. Well, welcome to the Marketplace of Ideas. I am your friendly, mindless zombie. Good to have you with us today. <laughs> All right, that man-on-the-street conversation, which is representative of the Marketplace of Ideas really raises an important question. What does it mean to be a Christian? How does somebody become a Christian? I mean, not just general assumptions here, but really and truly, what does it mean to be a little Christ? Definition of the word Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad you're going to spend the hour with us. This is, you might be thinking, oh, yawn, so basic. I know this. I listen to Christian radio all the time. Wait a minute. We're going to have this conversation for basically five categories of people. One, if you're somebody who's brand new, if you've just accepted the Lord as your personal Savior and you want to know more, you want to know what the basic message of the Bible is. Or two, well, if you've already explored what it means to be a Christian, then you want to know that you know that you know that you know. And so we're going to talk about how you know that you know. Or maybe you're one of those people who once upon a time had a faith in Jesus Christ, but that was then. This is now. You floated away and really and truly... You don't know if you are a Christian anymore. You don't know if it, quote, stuck the first time or not. Or maybe you're one of those people who've gone to church all your life, and because you've gone to church all your life, you therefore must be a Christian. We're going to challenge that lovingly, biblically. And last but not least, you are a Christian. And because the directive for us is to go and tell, how do you go and tell somebody else what it means to be born again? That pretty much encompasses just about everybody in the listening audience. So how about I give you the phone number and invite you to join us with your questions. 1-877-548-3675, 1-877-548-3675. Our conversation emanates from a gem of a book. Just love these Christian focus books. They are written by some of the sharpest people in the world. They just about all have British accents, which I, of course, sound very appealing to me. I don't know what it is about talking about Jesus, but it's it's like setting your GPS in your car. Don't the directions sound better when they have a British accent? <laughs> and I think issues dealing with the gospel sound better, but it's truly the content that I resonate with. So Dr. Adrian Warnock co-authored a book called Hope Reborn. Subtitle says it all, How to Become a Christian and live for Jesus. No better, no more important conversation out there today, and I'm so glad you're here. Joining me by phone from 
London. Thank you, Lord, for fiber optics. It makes the world a very small place, is Dr. Warnock, who is a medical doctor by training, specializing in psychiatry, and he currently works in clinical research. He also serves as a volunteer pastor as well as an elder at a fabulous church in London called Jubilee Church. He's gone to that church, by the way, for a long time, since 1995, and he has an amazing blog. Now, I don't know how this dear man finds time to do that in addition to all of his other work, but it is one of the top-ranked Christian blogs out there. We've got a link on our website, adrianwarnock.com, and we've got a link to hopereborn.com as well as to his blog so you can get more information as well. So this is going to be, as my mother used to say, delicious conversation. Dr. Warnock, the warmest of welcomes. I'm looking at my clock. It's a whole lot later over there than it is here. I'm in London. You're in London, rather. I'm in D.C., but we're still hours apart. Welcome, sir. So good to have you with us. It's just great to be here. And as you say, talking about such an important subject. It is indeed. It is indeed. First, for people who don't know, tell us a little about Jubilee Church in London. Yes, sure. So Jubilee um, started in about 1994, uh, and I joined around the same time that my pastor, Topi Colioso, who was also the co-author of this book, uh, joined, which was in 1995. And we've been together ever since. Uh, It was a tiny church in the beginning, uh, and for the first 10 years, really, it was still quite small, got to about 100 people, um, and then um, really got pressed the fast-forward button. And we've seen an uh, incredible growth and great blessing and, you know, a lot of people coming to know the Lord and a lot of people coming to us from all sorts of different nationalities as well. So we're sort of a multicultural church, about 70 nationalities in us. Um, wow. And we're now on three sites um, and, and doing really well and, and, and just really enjoying the grace of God. Oh, that's marvelous. Adrian, let me linger here for just a moment and just sort of ask you about the spiritual atmospherics in the UK and in London in particular. It's not unlike Washington, D.C., in that it's a very cosmopolitan, very international city. Would you say, from your vantage point, that there is a kind of spiritual hunger right now? Yes, there is. I mean, I think that what's, what's interesting is you can look at the headline figures in the UK and you can see decline uh, and you can see churches closing and you can see numbers going down but actually what's happening is really a a kind of pruning because it's predominantly the liberal churches that are closing because after all if we don't believe the gospel anymore you know why bother going to church Uh, and really in society in general now you no longer get credit for being a christian uh, like you used to. In fact, it's quite the opposite. You um, mm. are likely to experience criticism and, and some negativity and, and, and such like um, from, from that kind of thing. And so what that means is that the church that's left is a lot purer and a lot stronger and a lot more um, Bible-loving, I would say. And some of those churches mm. are growing. And so there's a strong movement of you know, really trying to re-evangelize this nation in, in a number of different churches. And so, wow. especially in London, we're seeing some, some large churches growing, which is, is an unusual thing for England. Oh, praise God. Adrian, I have to tell you how exciting it is to hear how God is on the move in different parts of the world. And I'm not sure most of our listeners, and we're talking to folks from Guam to the Cayman Islands, even have a sense of what is going on spiritually. And it quickens our hearts and leads us to pray more diligently for the movement of the gospel in the UK as well. We're just getting started. What does it mean to be a Christian? That's our topic this hour. Much more right after this. I hope you're enjoying this edition of In the Market. I want to quickly remind you that this and other programs just like it can be found at InTheMarketWithJanetParshall.org. 
You'll also be able to find links to guests, book information, our Facebook and Twitter pages, and so much more. Again, that's in the market with JanetPartial.org. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the program. Um, what it means to be a Christian is to uh, what does it mean to be a Christian? To follow the word of God, to know that He is the one that we should follow and He's the one that created everything. So in my opinion, that is what a Christian is, and he's the ultimate, and we are his followers, and we're discipling for him. Well, when I think of a Christian, I think of someone who has similar beliefs to Judaism, and when I think of it, and when I think of Judaism, and I think of Christianity, I think of it as just living by values and laws to like live a good life. So, you live your faith. Um, I think the most important thing about being a Christian is not necessarily going out and preaching the word to everyone, but being the best person that you can be and have people know God through you. Um, believing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and um, following through with that by you know obeying his word and really following that and being a disciple of what he says. What it means to be a Christian is to have a personal relationship with Christ, a one-on-one relationship, a daily walk with Him. Mm. So if you listen to that, by the way, it, does this not make your heart beat a little faster? Because you see those fields over there, they're white. Yeah, ready for harvest. Laborers are few, though. Nothing much changed since Jesus said that a long time ago. But I hear a very interesting distinction between being and doing in what these people are saying. So let me ask Dr. Adrian Warnock, who's the co-author of Hope Reborn, How to Become a Christian and Live for Jesus. That might be a really good place to start, Adrian. Is being a Christian a bunch of bunch of rules? It is about dogma? Is it about um, putting on the, entra- the trappings of religion? See if we can hone this down a little bit. Where do I start? If I really want to be a Christian, uh, you've got all these different definitions based on what we heard from the man on the street. Where do I start if I really want to know? Well, I think the important place to start is with Jesus. And Jesus comes to save us. He doesn't come to uh, merely have us follow him. He comes to actually do something to us. Uh, And I think that's the very humbling thing, because many people want religion. They want to be able to follow uh, Jesus, um, you know, by their own terms, they they want to be able to, you know, uh, feel that they are achieving something with their life. They want to live a good life. But actually, the reality is none of us reach those standards. Um, and the true gospel is a very humbling thing because it says, actually, as Tim Keller puts it, you're much worse than than you thought you were, actually. Mm, but mm, here's mm. the good news. You're much more loved than you thought you were. And God yes. loved us so much that he sent his son uh, that we could become a Christian. Wow. Adrian, that is a sticking point for some people right there. First of all, I've often said that I think the great deceiver's most effective tool is whispering in our ear, you can't be loved that much. You can't be loved, dot, 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 fill in the blank. And so he reminds us of our sins and he draws our sins back before us again, when in fact it's the antithesis, because God says that when we confess our sins, he remembers them no more. And that his love is unconditional and nothing can separate us from the love of God. It truly is To my mere mortal's mind, it is truly incomprehensible. But a lot of people think, well, wait a minute. In my human experience, my loving is, by its very nature, because of who I am as a human being, conditional. I love it when, I love it if, I love it because. 
But Jesus doesn't do that. He loves us, and that's where the period goes in the sentence. Talk to us about that. How do we, as human beings, who really have no other point of reference for complete, total, pure, unconditional love, how can we even begin to start to grasp that, let alone receive it? Well, you know, I think it takes a miracle, actually. Um, Mm. I'm more and more convinced of that. Uh, One of the opening stories we talk about in the book is a a time, I wasn't there, but Toppy describes it, when someone came to him and was struggling with precisely this, feeling guilty, uh, and and, and actually said, I know God couldn't forgive me for this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And he Mm. stopped her and he said, no, um, not only can he forgive you, he will forgive you. And, and, And something in that moment clicked inside this person and uh, and it was like a light was turned on. And I think that's really what needs to happen to us, really. And, and I think the Bible describes us as being born again, because we're spiritually blind. And it doesn't matter how much you're told um, the gospel, how much you're told grace, until that light switches on in your in your heart, really, I don't think you can really grasp it. And here's the even more worrying thing. We can become Christians, but we can lose some of that some of that hope and some of that vitality and some of that uh, enjoying it, really. And so I think we have to yes. keep preaching the gospel to ourselves. I was just thinking about myself as I was preparing to come on air that, you know, I need to preach the gospel to myself right now today. So I'm looking forward to this hour because hopefully mm. it will stir my heart. I usually find when I talk about these things, it, it helps me to remind me that, you know, as you say, God loves me no matter what I've done, no matter yes. what mistakes I've made today or this week. He, he still loves me. He keeps um, relentlessly loving me, actually, and accepting me. But, but also wanting to change me. Yeah. Oh, overwhelming, truly amazing love. Uh, two camps of people, you say in the book, and that is people who are not Christians generally fall into two camps, and this will be particularly piercing, I think, as we hear this, the unrighteous and the self-righteous. Talk to me about the yes. distinction between the two. Yes, well, it's kind of like the, the difference between the prostitute, if you like, and the Pharisee. Is, and Jesus met um, people from both those camps. He was known as a friend of sinners, interestingly. He was quite happy to, uh, to speak with um, tax collectors, uh, women of disrepute, people that wouldn't normally uh, be associated with religious people at all. Uh, and those people seemed to accept him and seemed to flock to him. And he had a bit of a ragtail bunch, really, that he called his disciples. Uh, but the Pharisees, the religious people of his day, rejected him. Uh, And they really rejected him because of this sort of self-righteous idea, this idea that they wanted to be better than everyone else. I love the way Jesus put it. He said that, you know, someone like that came to the temple one day and and basically prayed, thank you, God, that I'm not like these people. And and we are very much in danger of doing that sometimes. You know, I just thank you, God, that, you know, I'm a good person. You know, I'm not like one of the people who live on the bad side of town. And, you know, I'm I'm following God. I go to church. and, And we feel very contained in ourselves. And the risk is that many people who go to church are actually more like the Pharisees than Jesus. Uh, But Jesus said that the sort of people he likes, that he pays attention to, if you like, are are the ones who who just pray a simple prayer, God have mercy on me, a sinner, which is what the the other person prayed in that parable he talked about. Um, And he would let the prostitutes who had repented of their sin come to him and wash his feet, wash his feet with their hair and with their tears. And that's an amazing picture of his love and acceptance, you know. Wow, overwhelming. Dr. Adrian Warnock joins me from London by phone, co-author of the book, Hope Reborn, How to Become a Christian and Live for Jesus. Now, uh, there could be somebody listening right now who thinks they've just stumbled on this program by accident. You've had a mild curiosity. What is all of that about? You've even perhaps dabbled in the church, but you don't really have this sense of 
resonance, a personal relationship with the living God, but you'd sure like to know more. If you've got a question, we'd love to hear it. 1-877-548-3675. Back after this. We'll get back to the program in just a moment. But first, did you know that there are multiple ways to give to Moody Radio? If you visit us online at moodyradio.org and click on the Giving tab, you'll see that there's a variety of options to choose from. Or if you'd like to reach us by phone, you can call 1-800-DL-MOODY. That's 1-800-356-6639. That's 1-800-356-6639. And thanks again for your support. believe in a higher being or a um, super supernatural being um, I'm not too sure if that is God or a particular God or if we all share the same God um, because I take views on board from a number of different religions no I don't really believe in God I don't necessarily believe in a higher power either I just I don't know my life functions quite well without the belief of that so I believe that there is something there I don't know exactly what um, but there are things that can't be explained by normal I guess normal human behavior without a god Um, but whether it's god or buddha or whoever you believe in whatever you believe in is up to you really I believe in god I just don't haven't found any any churches that I agree with. Hmm. Very interesting, and what an opportunity. And a reminder, by the way, great work before us if we're willing to say yes, Lord, and go where he sends us. Dr. Adrian Warnock joins us. Dr. Warnock specializes in psychiatry. He's currently working in clinical research, but he also is very, very involved in an amazing church in London. It's called Jubilee Church. He serves there both as a volunteer pastor and as an elder. And he co-wrote the book, Hope Reborn, How to Become a Christian and Live for Jesus. So we're going to take your questions on how do I become a Christian? Or what does it mean to be a Christian? At one eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Again, that's one eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Adrian, I was thinking of something when you were talking in that last segment, and that is the distinction between the self righteous and the unrighteous. Mm. And that really, I think, raises an important question, particularly in what we would refer to as this postmodern era in which we live, where absolutes have sort of turned into murky grays, yeah. where everybody does what they think is right in their own eyes. If I can borrow a little bit from mm. the Book of Judges, so. How about this idea, this this recognition that first I am, well, as Newton said, two things I know, I am a great sinner and he is a great savior. Does there have to yeah. be a kind of epiphany, a moment, an aha moment when someone goes, yeah, I guess I am a sinner? Because if we were to go outside, talk to 10 people, nine of them might say, oh, no, I'm a pretty good person. So yeah. how does one so, get to the point where they recognize there is, in fact, sin in their lives? Well, I think you're absolutely right. And the problem is that, you know, society today... It doesn't really have much of a concept of sin. I mean, if we use the concept of evil at all, it's sort of limited to, I don't know, people like ISIS and Hitler and, and perhaps mm-hmm, pedophiles, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and, and the trouble we have today is if, if we go straight in to talk to someone and say, you know, I've got good news for you. You're a sinner, but God loves you. Uh, what they hear is like, as if we're saying you're a pedophile, you know, and, and, and it, it's mm-hmm. that, that shocking for them. So I think we have to sort of 
help them to understand that. And it does require the work of the Holy Spirit, ultimately, uh, to bring conviction of sin. That's one of his roles. But I think the, the challenge is that people think that if we you know, still believe in sin, that what we're also doing is condemning people. And so we have to show people that Jesus loves everyone um, and that actually he accepts everyone. He just doesn't leave us the way we are. Uh, and there are many people, I think, who, who feel that they can't come to Jesus because they're not good enough. I remember speaking with one guy who was a backslidden Christian, and sometimes there's no one more miserable than that. He was definitely yes. trying to live like the world does, but he couldn't enjoy it. Uh, and he said to me, he said, Adrian, the thing is, I just couldn't live the lifestyle of a Christian. And I felt so sad because I felt like he'd missed out so so radically on, on what this really is all about. Because actually, it's Jesus that, that gives us the power to change uh, and Jesus that gives us the motivation to change as well. When we've um, understood that he loves us and accepts us as we are, we, we no longer want to remain that way. And yes, there are challenges. Yes, there are times we, we slip up and we fall along the way. Uh, but actually, the life of, of the Christian is, is not supposed to be one of condemnation, uh, but one of increasing victory and increasing joy of knowing that we're loved yeah. anyway. And so I think in some ways, starting at sin is, in this modern world, the wrong place to start. But it's certainly a place we've got to get people to. Exactly. Otherwise, there is no recognition that a price that we're guilty is charged yeah. and a price has to be paid for that. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is exactly. eternal life. So what if we flipped it around? And I'm so glad you raised this because Paul said all things to all people by all means that some might be saved. So understanding the climate, the culture in which we live, if starting from the idea of sin wagging a finger, uh, is not going to be as effective as maybe it might have been once before. And by the way, note to file, remember the conviction is done by the Holy Spirit, not by our wagging Mm. finger anyway. But I'm wondering, do we flip this around and say, yes, but we need to look at the holiness of God? Because even if I think I'm a, Mm. quote, good person, my righteousness is as filthy rags. If I'm compared to the holiness of God, guilty is charged, right? Yes, no, exactly. I think that, you know, Many people today look outside of themselves for all the problems, and it's very easy to feel like a victim in today's society. And, you know, we see all the problems in the world, and we want the world to change, but actually Jesus says to us, let me start by changing you. And and so I do think that there is this important um, humbling that has to happen. Uh, we have to come to the end of ourselves uh, in order to, to come to faith in Christ. And And so I think sometimes actually... It is a recognition in the modern world of of hopelessness, actually, that will drive us uh, first to wondering if there's anything out there. And I think that's part of the reason why we use the word hope reborn in the title, because I think if there's one thing that people often don't have today, it's hope. But of course, that's just a symptom, in a sense. The real problem is that we're sinners separated from a holy God who does love us, but he has to deal with sin in us first before he can shower his love on us in a way that we can understand and accept that and receive that. Mm, mm, lovely. Dr. Adrian Warnock is with us. The book is called Hope Reborn, How to Become a Christian and Live for Jesus. I hope this is resonating with you. If you've wondered, what about that person, by the way, who walked away? That person who thought maybe they were at one point and they've walked away. How do you go back to that first love? And what about someone who's lived in the church culture all their lives and think, well, I must be a Christian, right? I'm in church all the time. Yes or no? Much more after this.
I hope you're enjoying this podcast of an earlier broadcast of In the Market with Janet Parshall. And I do want to thank you so much for joining us for the program. I also want to take this opportunity to remind you that my brand new book, Buyer Beware, Finding Truth in the Marketplace of Ideas, is now available. I'm so excited about this book. It really takes a look at the hostile culture in which we live and reminds us through the words of Jeremiah how we can live abundantly. In fact, not just survive, but thrive abundantly because of the promises that God has given us. So I hope you'll pick up your copy of Buyer Beware. You can do it at your local bookstore or online. And thanks so much for joining us for In the Market with Janet Parshall. When you become a partial partner, you also gain access to an exclusive commentary and other resources directly from Janet. To become a partial partner right now, call 877-JANET-58 or go online to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. As a partial partner, your monthly gift helps us carry the torch, shining the bright light of biblical truth and grace into the marketplace of ideas. Call 877-JANET-58. What would you say that most people, how, how would most people describe a Christian person? A uh, little stuffy Bible thumper or something okay, like that. Okay, okay. Just a question for you. How would you say that most people describe Christians? Kind people. Myself, a man that believes in God and follows his word the best he can. Um, <laughs> in today's world? Yeah. Uh, not the norm. Not the norm. How would you describe a Christian? Caring. I don't know about most people. Um, I know how I describe them. Go for it. A little nutty. A little nutty? Just a little nutty. Um, it depends. I mean, if Christians follow what is actually in the Bible and what the rules were set by, they're not supposed to judge and be pushy and do all of that stuff. Those kind of Christians I'm totally cool with. Oh, makes me think of C.S. Lewis, right? Remember what he said, Christians are the best argument for and against Christianity. Yes, spot on. Dr. Adrian Warnock is with us, a medical doctor by training, specializing in psychiatry, but he's very active at Jubilee Church in London, which now has three different sites, by the way. Marvelous, vibrant, Bible-believing, Christ-exalting church. He serves there as a volunteer pastor and an elder as well. He is a superb, top-ranked Christian blogger. I commend his blogs to you, and we've made it easy because we've got it linked on our website at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org, inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. So along with this pastor, he wrote the book Hope Reborn, How to Become a Christian and Live for Jesus. Adrian, I think before we go any farther, because I do want to talk about what happens when you've walked away, what happens when you've been immersed in Mm. church culture, but that doesn't necessarily make you a believer. I think at this point, because we're at the halfway mark, it would be extremely appropriate to say not Dr. Warnock's opinion, not Janet Parshall's opinion, but what does the Bible say? How do I become a Christian? Okay. Well, the place, there's two places I like to take people to. Um, one is um, Acts 2, uh, where Peter was asked this exact question. Uh, he would say, what must we do to be saved? Uh, and Peter replies by saying, repent, uh, be baptized, you will receive the Holy Spirit. And then later in the chapter, um, what we see is that they were added to the church, the people that responded. So you end up there with four things, really, that, that mark the beginning of the Christian life. The repentance, baptism, receiving the Holy Spirit, whatever that is. We probably haven't got time to get into that today. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and then adding, being added to the church. But I would really focus on repentance. What, what does that mean? What is, it, it's certainly about believing certain things. It's certainly about changing uh, who we are, but it's a change that God does on the inside. Um, But in terms of actually understanding what that looks like a little bit more, I think Romans 10 unpacks this really nicely, because Paul says this. He says, 
If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I see those two things together. I think that's the, a really good unpacking of what it means to repent or to believe uh, in Jesus. So there's, there's this element of confessing. So there's an open confessing. It needs to be done before other people, at least one other person, that you want to follow Jesus as your Lord. Uh, and that word Lord means two things. It means, yes, you're going to obey him, you're going to follow him. Uh, Toppy loves to say uh, that when, you know, it's not like on Twitter where we just have to click a button. He wants our whole lives. So we say we're going to follow him, we're going to obey him, but we're also going to worship him as God, because that word Lord is used of God throughout the New Testament. So we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. And that belief in the resurrection is absolutely critical, because Jesus is a living force who is our saviour today, just as much as he was back then. And it's interesting, because that belief in the resurrection of Jesus, the physical resurrection of Jesus, marks out all Christian denominations, actually, all around the world. There's pretty much no one who would say they're a Christian who doesn't believe that. And if you do have those two things in place um, and really mean it, then you will be saved. And people make it much yes. more complicated than that. And there are yes. things that flow out of it, as Peter explained, but those are the critical things. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you things that it is not. Some people listening might say, well, do I have to know the Lord's Prayer? To become a Christian? Do I have to know the Ten Commandments no. to become a Christian? No. What happens if I have done that repenting part where I've confessed my sins, I ask the Lord into my life as Lord and Savior, and then an hour and a half later, I've committed another sin? Have I lost what no. I just did? No, no, that's right. No, you haven't, because it's such a fundamental thing that happens on the inside of us. Uh, a true Christian is someone who's born again. And actually, I think you know, without wanting to get too much into the whole, you know, business about the Holy Spirit, the, the Bible talks us quite clearly about the fact that the Holy Spirit bears witness in our hearts that we are yes. the children of God. And so there is a kind of experiential aspect to this, which you, you mentioned earlier about knowing that you're a child of God. Uh, and so I think sometimes we don't emphasize that enough these days, uh, partly because we don't want to get into arguments about exactly what the Holy Spirit does and doesn't do today. But actually, one thing that's very clear in the Bible is he does uh, pour out his love into our hearts and, uh, and his acceptance. And I think that's one of the things that can really help people um, break out of that sort of cycle, if you like, that, that actually, you know, firstly, there's the knowledge in the head, of course there is, that, you know, if you believe this, that it's as simple as that, that you do believe that Jesus died for you, you have tried to make him your Lord, that that's it, it's a done deal. But actually for that to drop from the head to the heart, I think is the work of the Holy Spirit, really. Mm-hmm. I absolutely believe that. Absolutely believe that. All right. So big question. It gets asked a lot in the church. I have a very strong opinion on this based on what I believe the Bible teaches. But I've prayed that prayer. I've done exactly what it says in Acts 2. I've confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. The Bible now tells me that I am now his child, and nothing exactly. can separate me from the love of God. Amen. So what about people who think, well, uh, can I do something where God goes, that's it, you're unadopted, you're out, you've lost it? Yeah. No, I, I don't think you can. Ha having said that, though, and this is a critical piece, that people can appear to have made some response and it not to be genuine. And so, you know, I, I would always be a little cautious. If I met someone who was, you know, not living as a Christian, I, I would want to hear what they were saying first. And so if they mm -hmm. were saying something like this, hey, it's okay, I'm a Christian, you know, I made a response to Jesus, you know, 10 years ago, but I've never gone to church, and, you know, I'm doing whatever I want to do. I'm living my life my way, and God will accept me into heaven. You know, I would be very cautious, and I would probably take into verses that say things like, 
by their fruit you shall know them. Um, and Jesus warning that there will be many on that day who will say, look, I did all these things for you. And he will say, away from me, I never knew you. And so I would warn that person. And I'd be like, are you really a Christian? On the other hand, you know, if I was to meet someone who, who was saying, I just really don't think that God loves me. I, you know, I think he's, he's going to reject me. And, 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 you know, there was clear evidence of conviction of sin and, and, and being worried that, that God would reject them because of something they'd done. I'd say, hey, hey, actually, you can't not you know you can't be unborn again you know you are either a child of god and actually your very concern about your sin to me is 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 a marker and an evidence that that you are a child of god so you can see that pastorally you've got to work out what the situation is in front of you and of course then there's a third group who who are people who who used to walk as christians and who've now fallen away but actually there is still a spark of faith there and and god will bring them back i really believe that before you know before the end you know and so that's that the, the problem is when you're sort of talking about these people who appear to be Christians and are now not living that way. They could be in one of those three groups, really. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Thank you for that answer. one 548 3675 Mary, I welcome you from Iowa. Your question, please. Well, thank you. I think about the thief on the cross that Jesus said, you will be with me. And, yeah. um, and then I think of John. He talks about if we believe, and like you mentioned, that Romans 9 and 10, 10 and 9 and 10. So what's the difference there seems to be a range of a believer, and then Jesus said, "Make disciples." And um, yes. and so lots of churches don't seem to be making disciples who make disciples. And uh, so yeah. I guess my question is: Is believing enough, or when when do I become a disciple? And should everyone desire to be a disciple? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, to me, you know, Jesus said, "Go into all the world and make." not converts, but disciples. And then he explains himself. He says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And so this is the critical thing. You know, at the moment of becoming a Christian, you're saying, I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want to follow him. I want to give him my heart. Um, And that's a radical change, a, a reorientation of your life around Jesus. But it's often a momentary thing, it's a fragment thing, and you need people to help you and to lead you into the truth and to make you uh, understand what it is that Jesus is calling you for. And so, you know, to my mind, obviously, baptism is one of the first things. And, you know, one of the things we say in the book is it's really crazy if um, if you've just said that Jesus is your Lord and then you say, but I don't want to obey the first thing that he commands me to do, which is to be baptized, you know. So, so to my mind, there's a walk and there's a journey. And yes, you know, we sometimes stumble on that journey, uh, but we really do need help of other believers and, and sort of guidance um, to, to make that journey and become disciples, not just, you know, people who are going to scrape into heaven by the skin of our teeth, if you like. Exactly. Mary brings up something else impliedly when she references the thief on the cross, Adrian, and that is, yeah. I, I want to be obedient to what the Lord asked me to do, but I also want to make sure that I don't add any pluses to what Jesus has laid yeah. out as the simply profound and profoundly simple plan of salvation. Thief yeah. didn't get an opportunity to get baptized. So doesn't that tell us no. something about whether or not yeah. that's a mandate for salvation? Yeah, no, exactly. So it's it's uh, the way I would put it is it flows out of your salvation yes. rather than being, um, you know, an absolute mandate. You know, it's a good demonstration that you're saved, you know, but it's not uh, it's not the critical point. So the critical point is this repentance and faith that we've been talking about, this being born again that we've talked about. But, you know, God comes along and, and Jesus comes along and says, look, I, I want you to be baptized. Um, and the real question I would have for somebody at that point is, well, why not? If he's commanded us to, why wouldn't we want mm-hmm. to do it? But you're right. Mm-hmm. The thief on the cross, 
you know, obviously died before he had a chance to be baptized. And, uh, and I don't believe that, you know, God's going to be standing in heaven saying, well, you know, you're, you're out because, you know, for whatever reason you weren't able to do that. Um, but, but, you know, it is a bit worrying and it's a bad sign if someone is saying, I refuse to do it. You say, well, hang on, you're saying no, Lord. You're not saying no to your pastor. You're saying no to the Lord. And yeah. that kind of doesn't go yeah. well together. Yes, I heartily agree. The book is called Hope Reborn, How to Become a Christian and Live for Jesus. It's fabulous, particularly if you want to share with someone exactly what the Bible says, or if you yourself have been struggling, it is a gem of a book, and I commend it to you. Look for it at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. We still have some time with Dr. Adrian Warnock. I'm so glad every line's lit. Back after this. I sincerely hope that this program has helped you in some way today. And if it has, please tell a friend and encourage them to listen to it as well. This and other programs that have aired in the past year are freely available to listen to online at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Programs older than that are also available for purchase at moodyaudio.com. And thanks again for listening. How do you become a Christian? Well, first of all, you don't become a Christian by joining a church or adopting a creed or or even by believing in God. There are lots of false churches, lots of false creeds, and even the devil believes in God. You see, becoming a Christian means you need to understand what the real issues are. Jesus is the most important figure in all of human history. He's God in flesh. That's John 1, 1, verse 14. Also, Colossians 2, verse 9. He is physically risen from the dead. He is the Lord. That's Luke 24, 34, and John 2, 19 through 21. He is a Savior, Acts 5, 30 through 32. He came to die for sinners, Romans 5, 8, and he came to deliver people from the righteous wrath of God upon us. So I ask you, are you a sinner? Have you ever lied or stolen, lusted, coveted, or been angry with someone unjustly? If so, then you have broken the law of God. When you die, you will face Him. And on the day of judgment, He will punish all sinners. If you do not like this teaching, then all you have to do is throw away your Bible and turn from Jesus. For this is the message of God's Word. The message is that Jesus came to die for sinners and to save them from the wrath to come. Mm, And save us he did. By the way, every human being must answer the question, what shall I do with this Jesus? And in the end, the world is divided into two camps, those who accept him and those who reject him. And that's the choice before us. That's why we're having this most important conversation from a book entitled Hope Reborn, How to Become a Christian and Live for Jesus. It's co-written by Dr. Adrian Warnock, who's part of Jubilee Church in London. Lots of great questions online. Andrea, you are in Ohio. I thank you for joining us. Your question, please, for Dr. Warnock. Um, Well, I have OCD, so I'm a very indecisive person who worries a lot. And I want to be a believer in God and everything and believe in Christ. Um, But after a lot of bad things that happens in my life, I can't stop worrying and I can't stop doubting that um, I'm a good person and that he'll be there for me. Okay. So how do I, how do I go through that? Yeah, sure. Well, look, the thing is, um, I think there's two things here. One is, you know, I'm not sure whether this OCG you mentioned, if it's, you know, severe and you need to get medical treatment, that's one thing. But actually on, on the spiritual side, I think there's, it's just a question of grabbing hold of the truth um, and that, that, that 
that, that God says that anyone who comes to him, anyone, you know, so if you think about John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible, God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Uh, and so if you're a whosoever, <laughs> then you are a person who can come to him and a person who can believe in him. And if you have come to him and you have believed in him, if you have asked him uh, to, to become the Lord of your life and, and you've meant that, uh, no matter if you've fallen into sin or anything else has happened, he does accept you and he does love you and does forgive you. Um, and please, you know, find some other Christians to pray with you and to encourage you. But, you know, you'll find that if you can just keep coming back to the scriptures and those truths that we've talked about, then, you know, God will help you. And, you know, I hope this book might help you as well. And um, perhaps if you hang on the line, we might be able to send you a copy because I believe there are a few copies in the in the studio. Um, but really, it's about you believing in your heart the truth of this and, and allowing it to sink in that God loved you so much, you so much, that he sent his son for you, that that he would die for you. And if he loved you that much, uh, then really, why why would we not believe that? Why would we not accept that? And why would we doubt that? That that's how we know that he loved us. He died for you. He died for you so that you can know that fullness of joy. And I really pray mm-hmm. that God will help reveal that truth to you and, and, and settle it in your heart once and for all, that you know you're a child of God. Yes, yes. And Andrea, I'm so glad that uh, Adrian said what he did, because we're going to give you a copy of Hope Reborn. If you'd be so kind, stay on hold. We'll get your address, and we will get that right out the door to you. And I thank you so very much for being with us. Denise in Miami, Florida, thank you for joining us. Your question, please. Oh, Good evening. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm a caregiver for my father who is 87 years old. He has Alzheimer's and he has dementia. Now, when I first started taking care of him um, almost two years ago, he was still sort of coherent. Now, he was raised Christian. He's uh, sang in the choir. He's attended church. And he was baptized in the creek back in Georgia. But my concern is... The illness started when I uh, said the sinner's prayer to him because I wanted to make sure that he was saved because I was never present when he joined any of the churches and, you know, not present when he was a, a boy and being raised as a Christian. So how can I know that he's really saved? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus says, by their fruit you shall know them. Um, so as you look back over his life, a life of following Jesus, a life of, of loving Jesus, you say, and a, love, a life of serving him, um, hopefully you can see evidence of that in, in, his, in his past. Um, and I really believe that if someone has made that simple profession of faith and, you know, wanting to be baptized, then, you know, provided they meant that, and um, you know, it would sound from what you're saying, there's no evidence that he didn't mean that, uh, then the Bible's really clear. You know, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if those two things are true of your dad, then he was saved, whether or not he, you know, you saw him pray some, some sinner's prayer. I mean, it's interesting, the sinner's prayer is not actually in the Bible. It's a helpful thing. Um, <laughs> it, I'm not saying it's unhelpful, but it's not the core thing. The core thing is the response of our heart to Jesus and humbly accepting his help to save us. Uh, it sounds to me like your dad, uh, your, your dad did, did do that. 
Mm. Denise, I thank you so very, very much. Adrian, I'm torn because I have so many questions online from people. But I think what I need to do at this point is to put a capstone on this conversation. And that is, so the people listening who haven't called in but are struggling to know whether or not they are a Christian or to know how to become a Christian, where would you, aside from this marvelous book, which lays it out so beautifully, so clearly, and so biblically, where would you say to that person for whom this conversation now has gotten them to be thinking deeper, am I? Am I not? How can I know? What would you tell them? Well, you know what? The best place to go is John's Gospel. I know it sounds an odd place to go, but actually John told us at the end of that Gospel why he wrote. He said, I've written this so that you will believe. And it's all about Jesus and coming back to Jesus. So if you read John's Gospel right from the beginning to the end, I dare you to read that book and not be a Christian by the end. (laughs) I think that's a marvelous answer, and I heartily concur. Oh, Adrian, this was a fabulous conversation. And I so love this book that here's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to tell my friends Hannah and Chris, everyone who's online, we're going to give you a copy of Hope Reborn, How to Become a Christian and Live for Jesus. So if you're on hold, do not go away. I want you to have a copy of this book. All right, Adrian, thank you. Fabulous conversation. Check it out. Examine what will you do with Jesus. Thanks, friends. See you next time. No doubt about it. Life can be very difficult. Times can be tough. That's when listeners rely on Moody Radio. Just like to say how much your radio program lifted up me and my husband as we were going for chemo treatments and doctors. It does provide comfort during some down times, uh, comfort that only God can give. The Bible tells us that as Christians, we will suffer sometimes. When it happens to you, Moody Radio wants to offer support and hope. I have been going through some trying times and just listening to the station and the uh, preachers preach really means a lot to me. Moody Radio, firmly committed to teaching God's truth. Trust is a word that comes to mind. I know when I listen to Moody that the programs and music presented will fill me with the truth of God's word. Moody Radio, a trusted voice and friend and where you turn for life. Thank you for listening to this edition of In the Market with Janet Parshall. I again want to remind you that if you'd like to come alongside us and help with the financial costs associated with this program, you can support us by visiting moodyradio.org and clicking on Support Moody. Again, that's moodyradio.org. Thanks again, friend, and we hope to see you next time.